Yes, we're open. Living Faith with Needham UCC, a sermon podcast from the Congregational Church of Needham United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you're invited and welcome. This sermon for Sunday, December 17th, 2023, is entitled The Donkey. This is the second part of a three-part series for Advent called A Non-Canonical Christmas. As we reflect on characters who aren't actually in the biblical text of the Christmas story, but maybe should be. Today's sermon is a reflection on a reading from the book of the prophet Micah, chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to find out more about our open and affirming ministries at the Congregational Church of Needham, United Church of Christ, simply head over to our website www.needhamucc.org. Thank you. Beloved, our scripture reading today comes from the Hebrew Bible, from the writings of the Hebrew prophets, from the book of the prophet Micah, chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. Let's listen to what might be very familiar words. Let's try to listen with open ears, open minds, open hearts for what God is saying to us today in these words from Micah 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before the divine with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased even with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? The Holy One has told you, O mortal, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Friends, God is still speaking to the world and to us May our hearts be listened to, may our hearts be open to listen, receive, and respond. In all God's holy names we pray. Amen. Amen. There is no donkey in the biblical story of the birth of Jesus. I have to admit that this whole non-canonical Christmas sermon series where we're focusing on characters that aren't actually in the story that we've been told over and over and over again, it feels a little scroogey, just a bit, but there is no donkey. Not in John's gospel or Mark's because, well, they don't tell us anything about Jesus's birth at all, but go back and read Matthew and Luke's accounts. And nope, no donkey, no animals at all, really. No donkey, shaggy and brown, no cow, neither white nor red, nor no dove in the rafters high. This is confirmed by no less an authority than the Pope, specifically Pope Benedict XVI, the immediate past pontiff of the Catholic Church, In a 2012 book called Jesus of Nazareth, The Infancy Narratives, 
Pope Benedict makes the point that while there is mention of a manger in Luke's version, which, as he says, indicates animals who come to it for their food, in the gospel, there is no reference to animals at this point. But friends, just try constructing a nativity scene or staging a Christmas pageant without including a donkey. And even the youngest among us will correct you and right away. Of course there was a donkey in that stable where Jesus was born. Here, look. Like so much of the Christmas story that lives in our heads, that donkey is part of kind of a Mandela effect. You know, a type of false cultural memory when different people incorrectly remember the very same thing, like Nelson Mandela dying in prison in the 1980s. He didn't. Or Judy Garland's Dorothy saying, Toto, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore in The Wizard of Oz. She doesn't. But together, we remember them doing just that. It becomes part of our shared story, correct or incorrect. So even though there is no donkey in the official, the canonical version of the biblical narrative of Jesus' birth, we remember them there. We include this non-canonical character in our Christmases, in our nativity scenes, as I said, just as the Vatican still does to this day in their nativity scenes, despite the Pope. We write them into our pageants, paint them into our paintings, We make up stories about them, songs about them, children's holiday television specials about them and their particularly long ears. Why? If you ask Pope Benedict, he'll say the donkey is there in our collectively misremembered Christmas story, almost always opposite an ox, by the way, as in the ox and the ass are feeding, leading to endless titters from third and fourth grade boys. Because the gospel writers were drawing on obscure bits and pieces of Hebrew scripture to try and flesh out and understand the Jesus story. There's Isaiah chapter one, verse three. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. And even he says, Exodus 25, 18 through 20, with its reference to two living creatures, cherubim, angels, framing the Ark of the Covenant that represented the presence of the living God with the people. Cherubim become ox and ass. Which like, okay, I get it, but I don't really feel it. I don't feel like we have to stretch that far to understand how the donkey got there and why they've stayed there. Our human imaginations as storytelling creatures abhor a vacuum. And even even normally loquacious Luke's gospel account is short on detail here. Or rather, the church has not tended to focus on the parts of the story that Luke does. So we fill in the gaps. It just makes sense. How else, we ask, did ever so pregnant Mary make it all the way to Bethlehem unless on the back of a faithful donkey plodding along, clip, clop, 
clip-clop up the long mountain road. As rough as that rocky ride would be, we don't want to imagine her walking, which is every bit as likely. After all, it's not like everyone in first century Judea owned a donkey. I don't know, maybe Joseph as a carpenter, a cabinet maker, really, owned one to help with deliveries. Maybe, but really, it doesn't matter. Mother Mary needed a donkey, so we conjured one to carry her along. It just makes sense. And then our imaginations begin to work on the donkey themselves, or or at least mine does. This is the way I think. I don't find myself asking, Mary, did you know? Like the popular country Christmas song. Side note, yes, she did know. An angel told her just earlier in the chapter, duh. (laughs) But I find myself wondering what the donkey knew. I'm odd like that. I wonder what the donkey knew about the weighty, world-changing theological ramifications of the Messiah in whose story they were playing a small but essential part, whose mother they were carrying, whose birth they were helping to facilitate. What did the donkey understand about divinity, incarnation, and salvation, justice, peace, and compassion? I'm not an expert, but I'm guessing not much. The donkey was just doing what donkeys do. Just like cows give milk and doves coo, donkeys carry stuff, stuff and people. It's the very opposite of extraordinary. In some ways, if there actually were a donkey in the story, it would make sense for Luke to leave them out. But we don't have to be extraordinary. We don't have to do extraordinary things to be part of this story, of God's story, the story of love transforming the world. We don't even have to understand exactly what we're doing and why. Which is great, because let's face it, most days we don't. Or let me use my I statements, I don't. And just when I think I've got my mind wrapped around the will of God in any particular situation, the meaning of life at any particular moment, the purpose of this world at all, it slips away. So thank God then that as the hymn writer tells us, the truth of God is not limited to our poor reach of mind, to notions of our day and sect, and I love this part, crude partial, and confined. That about gets my self-understanding just perfectly right. Meaning, it's good for us to search for the answers to the biggest questions about life, the universe, and everything, but we have to remain aware, we have to beware of anyone who tells us they've got it all figured out. Doubt isn't the enemy of true faith. Certainty is. The donkey didn't have to understand the larger story of which they were a part and a small one at that. They just had to put one foot, one hoof, in front of the other 
and keep walking. Keep playing their part, carrying their loving and beloved load along the road before them. And as small as their actual contribution may have been, it was still important to the overall story. They were important. You see, Mary would have made it to Bethlehem without the donkey. Jesus would have been born without the donkey. But by their simple, straightforward contribution, here, let me carry that for you. The donkey made things just that much easier. Remarkably, with each utterly unremarkable, slow and steady clip-clop along the Bethlehem road, they helped to bring salvation to the world. They helped to bring the kingdom of God that much closer, which is itself part of that very salvation. Part of the kingdom here and now, the means and the end of love are always inextricably bound together. You don't have to be extraordinary to make a difference in this world. The prophet Micah themselves, a rough and ready donkeyish sort of prophet, reminds us, You don't need to bring God thousands of rams or 10,000 rivers of oil. You definitely do not need to offer your firstborn or the fruit of your body in any way as some sort of human sacrifice to please God and speed the coming of the kingdom. You don't have to be rich or powerful young or beautiful. You don't have to be able-bodied or educated, intelligent or wise to be worthy of playing a part in changing the world for good. Late-stage capitalism and the advertising industry want to sell you that lie. Do not buy it. The world doesn't need a singular Superman to save us. Even Jesus himself knew that and taught that. What we really need is for even just a yeasty minority of the majority to do our best to put one foot in front of the other day after day to do justice, love kindness. And even when we stumble, even when we fall, to pick ourselves up and with help from God and one another, Keep on walking, walking, walking humbly with God, who is simultaneously our source, our guide, and our goal. As poet Mary Oliver of Blessed Memory says, you do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Love yourself, your interior donkey. Love your neighbor and you'll find yourself loving God. Keep putting one foot in front of the other along that road, uphill and down. Keep walking humbly. Keep walking oh so humanly. And you'll get there. 
We'll get there together. Donkeys, all of us. Slower than we might like, for sure. But in time, in God's good time. Friends, you don't have to understand, much less fix the climate crisis. You just have to scan the road ahead and direct your daily steps toward that goal of loving the whole wide world, every atom of it, in all God's holy names. You don't have to understand, much less solve the ongoing violent conflict between Israelis and Palestinians. You just have to work on loving your Israeli neighbors and your Palestinian neighbors and identifying those who are suffering, all who are suffering, and set your intention to serve them. Particularly apropos in this holiday season, you don't have to understand, much less heal, whatever it is in your own family that needs healing. And there's always something that needs healing, right? You just have to do your best to love them day by day, up close or at a distance in ways that let you love yourself at the same time, too. And friends, when we stray from the path, when we take another wrong turn, even as even the very best intentioned of donkeys will do, simply turn around. Repent. That's all repent has ever meant. Turn around, look around, get your bearings, choose again, and keep on going toward love. Because that whole process is love made flesh. If we stop looking to others to be the real movers and shakers, Stop envying the larger parts they seem to have to play in the grand scheme of things. The angels, of course, even the shepherds get more airtime in the text. If you just look around, you can see smaller but surer signs of God's love already at work in our lives. In not-so-random acts of kindness and never-senseless everyday beauty. Look for them. Look for those milestones along the Bethlehem road. Follow those. Lean into those. Build on those, and you will make it to the manger where God's love is born again. But truthfully, we're there already. This is the core of the gospel good news that Jesus was born, lived, died, and was raised again to share with us. We're there already. You're there. You are in Bethlehem. You and your life. All of us and all of our lives, all of our life together, we are Bethlehem. We are the birthplace of God in this world. Where the hopes and fears of all the years meet. Where even our darkest streets shine because God chooses to enter in to share silently, how silently, the wondrous gift, Emmanuel, God with us, God in us, God as us, 
God as just one more of us, not a mover or a shaker, but a poor baby born in a manger in a beleaguered backwater of oppressive empire, just another donkey. Patiently, persistently walking this road of life with us, bearing the love of God to the world. Because, beloved, that is what changes the world for good. Thank God for the donkey. Thank God for all the donkeys. And so, friends, if you have heard a word from God preached here for you today, remember to give all honor and glory to our one God, Creator Christ and Holy Spirit. Amen.